Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show. In this episode, approve of yourself and influence others. We all want to influence others as without that ability, we can't help anyone. That's what Zig says sales is, it's influencing others. But we won't matter if we can't influence others. So there's a couple interesting factors in this quest. One, we can't say what our influence is, only others can. Uh, We just do what we can to influence that influence, influence what they say, uh, what they see, what they experience from us. So I asked this question to the Ziegler audience. If everyone in your life had to give an honest testimony of your influence on them, good and bad, how do you feel about what they would share? And what ended up is Tom Ziegler and I talking about the tension uh, between caring about our influence, our example out there and having our self image bank on what everyone else says, especially the negatives. And there's a tension. And a lot of times we see people throw it one way or the other, but two, how we feel about ourselves is a root issue that impacts our influence. So I posted a second question, what actions, behaviors, and or thoughts help and hurt your approval of yourself. Uh, and again, Tom and I talked again, more tension there because you know how we feel our approval of ourselves. We've all experienced somebody who thinks we would say too much of themselves and they're into, you know, ego and narcissism and pride and whatnot. None of us want to be that. And a lot of times aspiring people will tend to go the other way and be very self-deprecating. Well, that's not good either. That doesn't help us as well. So where's the balance in the middle? This is where Tom and I, we read some of the comments, but spent a lot of time talking between these very important important issues. So we'll get started right after I share some great products and services with you. All right, Tom, well, as I said in the intro, this show actually contains two questions that I posted on Facebook, and we're going to play with both of them. One one is our influence with the influence we have on others, and the other is about our own self-approval, which, as you well know, it's hard to have a positive influence on people if we don't have some self-approval. So we're going to play in this playground. So, And I, I started off with this one, Tom. I said, if everyone in your life had to give an honest testimony of your influence on them, good and bad, how do you feel about what they would share? And I actually, when I posted it, and this happens a lot, I posted it and it was worded a little different and I boom, 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 you know, because I get responses within seconds and I reworded it because initially it came off to people of kind of like trying to impress others and had some folks go, well, you know what, I've in my own personal growth, I've learned that I don't need to, or I shouldn't be doing everything just to impress others or worry about my self image in regards to how others perceive me. And so I thought I'd start us off just with that. Cause I get that obviously, but then of course we know that you can't sell or help anybody if you don't have influence positive, you know, if you don't have meaningful influence in their lives. So I get that though, but I think people stumble on that. And I'm sure you've seen that happen a lot that we obviously most of what we do, a lot of what we do is to impact our influence on others. It's to, I mean, you're running the Ziegler corporation. You're in charge of the brand and how it influences others. You're in charge of how you step up on stage, on a mic, whatever, and influence others. So obviously that's a big deal. Now on the other side, right, if your life is just bent around what other people think of you, 
that's not good. But I think people get, get caught up in that and sometimes lose sight of what the point is. And that's what some of the responses initially were. Yeah. You know, this is a great, a great topic because in the book, choose to win, uh, I, tr- I tried to figure out, okay, in the wheel of life, there's seven spokes. And I tried to figure out what the sequence, the sequence is, right? If we were going to focus on one thing first, what would it be? And then what would the progression be? And so I arranged the spokes uh, in the sequence this way, mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. And I want you to notice that family ended up in the middle. Mm-hmm. It came after mental, spiritual, and physical. And the key words for family are influence and example. And so, you know, when we have a family, what we want to what we want to do is we want to be the example for our family. And the better example we are, the more influence we have. Well, you can't be the right kind of example unless you're mentally right on Uh track, spiritually and physically. And so I think it's interesting, you know, that question, honest testimony of your influence on them. It's, it's, it's an inside job, right? We've got to start with our attitude, our, our mindset, our belief, the way we come across and then, you know, we've got to have the principles, the values, the character, the integrity, the faith, all those things that make up the spiritual side of us. Uh-huh. And, and then physically, um, you know, if we're in good health and, and have the energy and the capacity uh, to, to pour into others to serve, then that's what sets the foundation uh, for that. And so, you know, when somebody says, well, I don't, you know, I'm not really worried about other, what other people think. I agree with that. Right. I'm not, I'm not asking for affirmation from someone else. Hey, I like the way you're doing that. But, but I also on the other side of it, believe that uh, the example we said is going to influence what they think. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to get our focus. Well, and you mentioned family and that is the most acute place in my life. Um, I, you know, when I go home today, there'll be some large number of children and humans at the house. And I do, I mean, if I don't have a positive influence on them, I can't impact their life. And they're my kids, uh, you know, my wife, my kids, my, uh, I've got to do that now. Yes. Should I judge myself by their view of me? I mean, that's a, it's, it's a hard, it's a tension, I think. I think it's attention. And we have, I mean, I, I, right off the bat, you know, Mo here, he said, I'd like to say that my influence is trending in the appropriate direction uh, in care for and concern for others' needs. Susie says, oh, I'd say steady transformation from being lost to grasping onto Christ and discovering my purpose in him. Michael says, ah, they might say I'm 50% flawed, 50% fabulous. Uh, I'm okay with it either way. We're all flawed. That's part of self-awareness. And and again, it brought me, that's where I, I initially, I can't, and I can't remember exactly where I reworded the question, but came back to, of course, I think anybody would agree, of course we care how others perceive us. I mean, if not, we wouldn't, you know, take a shower, uh, dress nicely and speak appropriately, look somebody in the eye, shake a hand, converse with others and connect with other people. Um, but it is, I mentioned earlier, I, I always think about a brand. 
like you with Ziggler, you run the Ziggler brand. You do so much work to try to direct, to steer the Ziggler brand so that people think of it X, Y, Z way. However, you can't say what the brand is, only they can. And they're going to come back and go, well, what I've experienced of Ziggler is yada, yada, yada. And man, we do have to, well, I, I think as caring human beings who want to influence others positively, we've got to care about that. We have to invest in it. Well, Kevin, you know, uh, whether we like it or not, it's, it's, un, it's a lot about optics. Um, you know, we make decisions around our brand a lot of times to create the right optics, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to, we, we don't want to give people a misperception because they don't have the benefit of knowing our intention, our motive, our heart. And there's a scripture that says, flee the appearance of evil, you know, and, and so growing up and dad was laying down the rules and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, it doesn't matter whether I believe you're going to do that or not. It's what other people will think. And that's kind of been thrown out uh, these days. You know, our culture, it's like, hey, you know, don't judge anybody for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we all do. It's all about the optics. Uh, you and I were talking earlier, you know, with this the COVID-19 thing going on, the, um, you know, should I wear a mask? Shouldn't I wear a mask? Does it, yeah. you know, does it really benefit? And then uh, we talked about a mutual friend who was wearing a mask, even though they don't know if it's really going to help them or they're, who they're around. But some other people came up and said, thank you for that. We really appreciate that. And that's kind of where I come down on it. You know, if, if, if it's a gift I can give to somebody and, and it benefits them and it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to serve them. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I want my influence and example to be something that's uplifting and positive and and beneficial. Yep. But it's, it's hard. It is. And we've got to to do that. And then to say, well, I don't care what other people think of me. It's a, Oh, I, I, like I said, I think it's a tension. I guess the tension we have to hold, uh, onto and be aware of the moment by moment. Well, here's another interesting one, Jeff, uh, and Jeff is in the, um, goodness, I'm going to misspeak, speak myself, uh, Navy, I believe. Uh, but he said, I think most people would offer an honest testimony about himself that requires, uh, or no, he said, I'm sorry. He says, I don't think most people would offer an honest testimony that requires enough emotional intelligence uh, to do so. However, a better question would be what energy are you giving to ensuring your character is in line with your value system? So your reputation and legacy are where you want them to be in the future. I thought that was great. And and I responded on Facebook. I said, well said, and and what is your answer, Jeff? And he said, well, um, the answer is, should be different for everyone. Starting with why for me personally, I have answered the call to adventure one of the stages of the hero's journey and ensure that through my vulnerability and strength, I can keep a service mindset to help others. When you act in service of others, first, the universe conspires to put you in the right place at the right time, which leads to fulfillment. Success is a mindset. Accomplishments are singular events. Keeping service as the driving force towards success is so rewarding and 
It's hard to even say you do it for others. That's been my experience anyways. I know that's uh, long-winded, but it's such a loaded question. Probably the most important question you could ask yourself. And you know, it's interesting as we go down and read some of these, Tom, I had, Tom, I had a lot of people say that. They wound up whatever they, they did by going, goodness, I hadn't thought about this to this degree. And so um, uh, obviously hit a nerve with people. And speaking of that, Jeff, yeah, and I think it's the Navy. He has a podcast where he, he obviously is a deep thinking, eloquent guy. Uh, he has the evolution podcast. So there's a pitch for a pitch for Jeff, but man, I, I think those in the military, they get that they get the respect and the honor to a degree that a lot of us don't who haven't experienced that. And you, I know you've had a lot of, uh, exposure with people in the military and how they view respect. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, uh, one of the things that Jeff's response made me think of is, you know, I agree. I think people are, for the most part, they're going to give a surface level uh, testimony or response, you know, if, if they were to be asked about your influence on them. Um, and then we talked earlier about, well, do I really care what people think? And then one of the kind of the counterweight to that is, you know, I have a higher standard that I'm called to as a, as a believer. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm always comparing, you know, my, my outward expression of who I am. Am I living up to that standard? But the counterbalance to that is, uh, when I get, and, and this doesn't happen often, but you know, it happens to all of us when I get attacked or accused, um, I don't defend, you know, I let, I let what I am and who I am speak for itself. And so because of that mentality of, Hey, I don't have to defend that. Then that allows me to be very, very responsive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'll give you, mm -hmm. I'll give you just a quick example. Uh, we, we had an offer a couple of weeks ago, uh, to our list and we reduced something significantly. Uh, and we said, Hey, you know what? People need hope and encouragement now more than ever. Um, and with the pandemic coming on, it's harder for people to afford things. So we've drastically reduced this. So I get a response and the response is, man, I can't believe you're taking advantage of the pandemic. Mm. And I was like, yeah, okay. What? I responded with, Hey, you know what? Uh, I understand your concern about the pandemic. We certainly would never take advantage of it. That's why we give away a ton of stuff at Ziggler. We've got, you know, many, many downloads and Kevin also recommended the Ziggler show podcast. I mean, I think we've got like over a thousand hours of content in our almost 800 episodes. I mean, that's a, an amazing amount of stuff. So I emailed that back to him and then he responded back, laugh out loud, self-justifying. Okay. Wow. So, so here I am, you know, we're doing everything possible to be a light, to bring hope and encouragement, to do so much we can uh, at, at, for free. And then also to keep our business going. And so I asked him four questions and I started it off this way. And this is a, this is a great way to, to respond rather than to react. Even if it's a little bit easier when you're writing something than it is when you're face sure, to face. Sure. Right. But I said, I said, Hey, help me to understand uh, what we should have done. What do you think we should have done? Help me to understand. Should we have left our prices the same and not promoted it? 
Should we have left our prices the same and promoted the product? Should we have discounted the products because of the pandemic and not promoted it? Or should we have discounted the products because of the pandemic and promoted it? You see, because a lot of times when we get judged uh, and, and, and people see what we do, you know, they don't have context because obviously if those are the four choices, and by the way, those are pretty much the only four choices, do nothing, <laughs> promote what you're already doing, change the offer and don't promote it or change the offer and promote it. Those are really the only four things you can do. And obviously the best uh, for, for most people is to reduce the price and let people know about it. Right. But when somebody decides they're going to look into your heart and say, well, you're evil because, or you're taking advantage of a situation because, then that's a tough situation. Yeah. On the other hand, you've got to expect that, right? You've got to understand that it's, it's an interesting time and everybody's coming from different perspectives. And so my initial thought was, wow, this guy's been taken advantage of in the yeah. past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And other people haven't been as thoughtful as we have in how they do things. Uh, you know, cause you hear every day people are, you know, price gouging on other stuff that's in high demand, which isn't right either. Uh, but golly, we're going down this track of, you know, it, but this is a, you know, our, our attitude is the way we go out into the world. That's what people see. And that's a reflection of our character and our character that we have is a reflection of our habits. Yeah. Right. And so to me, it always goes back to the foundation. What habits are we living each, each day by? Well, and what you said earlier, just what is our example? Uh, we are responsible for that. And uh, that's, you know, and, and nobody's listening to this show who does not care about that or they wouldn't be here listening. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and our discussion on influence and self-approval. You can join these conversations by finding and friending me on Facebook at Agent K Miller. Well, next, I read a comment from a guy who says he'd feel good about testimony of his influence today, but not necessarily 10 years ago and beyond. Uh, and so Tom and I discussed the very real issue of dealing with our mistakes in the past. So we'll get right back into the discussion after I share some great products and services with you. You know, here, here's a good point though. Kyle brings up, he says, he says, now I would be proud of what they say 10 years ago. And, and further back, I'd be ashamed of what they said. And Jeff, who commented earlier, he came back and said, hey, Kyle, it's progress over perfection. And Kyle says, I certainly hope so, because I've got a long ways to go to reach perfection. Obviously, none of us will. But I think that's relevant. There, are, uh, I am not a no regrets person, Tom, and there's plenty of things in my background, even if it's been redeemed and I'm grateful and I learned, I, I don't know if I would go back and still do what to me, uh, I still view as a dumb thing again. And, you know, there's people that I have, um, gosh, I've got people in my past who I did certain things, didn't do it with bad intent, but I did things that didn't serve people. Well, I mean, it's a true story. And there are some that, uh, yeah, would their testimony be the same as, as people that I know more closely today? Uh, no, um, 
No, maybe with some of them, I've, I've redeemed some things too, but man, that's, that's a big point for us to put out because so many striving people will look back. Well, anytime you're getting better and improving, you look back and go, man, I'm, I'm disappointed, you know, that, that I wasn't better then. And, and I'm, I'm ashamed or I'm regretful of the example that I gave back then. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm one to just own it and say, yeah, that, that exists. And yet I have to be okay. Now back to, to self-approval, which we're about to hit. Maybe we should just jump there now. Self-approval to jump there. Uh, you know, I feel better about myself and, but that that's there. I got to get, get over that. And we do see a lot of people who never let themselves get to a decent place of self-approval because of who they were in the past. And, uh, again, I'm not a no regrets person and, and, and discount what that was, but man, we've got to get past that and realize that's who we were. This is who we are now and, uh, have some forgiveness for ourselves, some grace. Now, um, let's talk then let's just jump into that. And cause there's a lot of posts on influence, but let's go ahead and jump into that self approval. I like that word, Tom, that that's a word that was given to me by, by a couple people because I was, I was playing with the topic and talking about being proud of yourself. Well, proud has a lot of negative connotations too. pride and not, you know, not wanting to be prideful, egotistic, whatever. So self approval as another way of looking at it. And I asked people, I said, what actions, behaviors, and or thoughts help and hurt your approval of yourself? Again, with the focus of, as we're talking about influence and example, it's hard to do that. Maybe impossible. Ultimately, if we don't have some level of self approval, I don't know. Would you put some other words? I mean, we're talking about positive self-image. That's classic Ziegler having a pot. I mean, we've got to have, or, or if we, if we don't have, maybe that's the other way. If we don't have a positive self-image, some level, it's very difficult to find success much of anywhere in life, especially in influencing other people. Well, I really, on this, I have to go, uh, on this, I have to go spiritual. Um, and my word is grace. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, he said it many times for sta- from the stage. You can read it in uh, uh, Raising, or I'm sorry, in uh, Courtship After Marriage. And he talks about how he really, really loved Mom, the redhead. He loved her with everything he had. And then when he became a believer and understood grace, and he could look at Mom through the eyes of Christ, you know, through that grace, then he really saw her for who, who she is. Yeah. Right. And so I have this thing and I teach this to our, our, our business owners and those who we work with. And I say, Hey, when we go out into the world, a great mindset is to go out with the deepest grace and the highest standard. Yeah. And we always lead with the grace. When people see the grace, then they might listen to our standard, right? But if we set a bar that's so high and it can almost feel like combination or, you know, making somebody feel like they're unworthy or they're not capable of of your, your approval, then that's all wrong. And so one of the things, and this is, this is a challenge for so many people is we're willing to give grace and forgiveness to other people, but Mm -hmm. not ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so to me, uh, self-approval means that we need to look at ourselves the same way as a, as a believer. I, I, you know, how does God see me as white clean, <laughs> you know, as, 
a fresh start as a do over as the East from the West, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just a really, really, really powerful concept. And so grace uh, to me, it's like the, the embodiment of love. And so it, it doesn't give permission to go do what you want because you've got grace anyway. Instead, it gives you the motivation to reach for the highest standard, not out of obligation, but out of love. Because, uh, you know, when you really, really love someone, you give them the grace, right? You give them the forgiveness and you, and you, and you do that. And if the relationship is a trustworthy two-way street, you know, relationship, then they strive to go to that next level. And I think, uh, you know, the marriage experts that we've had here, you know, they concur when we, when we tell somebody, I don't like it when you do that, they're more likely to do that again. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but when you tell somebody, Hey, I love it when you do that, then they're far more likely to do what you love. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And so there's all, you know, the self-approval thing from the right foundation is such a huge asset in our growth because what we're really saying is, Hey, you know what, when I, when I, I golly, I got to give myself credit for doing that. That increases the likelihood that we're going to do more of that thing that builds us up. But when we criticize ourselves for doing the wrong thing, it actually increases the likelihood that we're going to continue to do the wrong thing. And so yeah. isn't it funny how our, our mind is wired and how we were created and it's, you know, it goes back to that, that, um, quote, what you feed your mind determines your appetite. And so when we understand what self-approval and grace and what that really means, then it's a, it's a powerful way to forgive ourselves of the bonehead decisions that we've made. Yeah. Cause man, I've made just bonehead decisions that there really wasn't a motive or an evil intent, but man, if I could, I'd take it back. And yeah. then there were some other just selfish, selfish decisions that I made that I knew when I was making them, it was the wrong thing to do. And I did it anyway. Uh, but grace and forgiveness are what allow me to grow beyond those. Well, when you talk about those, Tom, and you mentioned just criticism, self-criticism, you know, here uh, in personal development, in self-help, in our audience right here on The Ziegler Show, we have people who by far and large are higher, higher achievers. They're aspiring people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. I do find almost a polarization often in that type of a person that one, you either have the people who think too much of themselves, and I don't think any anybody likes to see that, and 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 especially those who recognize that, they'll go the other way and think too much of themselves. There's too much self-criticism. I tend to fall in that. Well, one, I have plenty of ego. And so I'm really aware of, man, I don't want to be the egotistical, prideful, narcissistic dude. So I'm going to go over here and be self-facing, you know, but you can go too far that way and you can lose your credibility and you're talking yourself down like you talked about. Matter of fact, hey, here's a quote. I sent it to my family yesterday. It was attributed, I think, to Bruce Lee, but who knows these days. But it says, don't speak negatively about yourself, even as a joke. And I want everybody to hear that. And I wanted my family to, because we can tend to do that. Just, you know, joking about self-deprecating jokes about ourselves. Don't speak negative, negatively about yourself. Even as a joke, your body doesn't know the difference. Words are energy and they cast spells. That's why it's called spelling. 
That was interesting. Change the way you speak about yourself and you can change your life. What you're not changing, you're also choosing. Sounds like uh, Zig Ziglar, actually, to me. Very uh, appropriate words of wisdom there about how we speak about ourselves. But I, again, I mentioned tension a minute ago, and I feel like that's that's what we're talking about here with self-approval. There's a tension of yeah, not being prideful, egocentric, narcissistic, and also over here, not being so self-deprecating that we're just talking bad about ourselves. In the middle is back to what you said, high standards, high grace. That's right. The yeah. deepest the deepest grace, the highest standard, um, you know, and there's an interesting thing. So if we're trying to, if we're aspiring to something, if we want to achieve a goal, an aspiration, there's something that we're going after, uh, that really, really motivating motivates us. Uh, you know, one of the terminologies that that's called, that's called a driving force, right? It's like a magnet that pulls us towards it, but there's also in life, there's restraining forces. And these are the, these are the ropes that tie us down and a highly self-critical uh, view of yourself is a restraining force. It's going to keep you from going where you want to go. It's like, uh, you're, it's like you're trying to win a race carrying a hundred pounds. You can't do it. You know, you've got to, you've got to drop that baggage. You got to cut that rope. You got to let go of it. Um, and you know, so and I tell people, uh, just in a real simple language, I mean, th there's all these voices out there. There's the world's voice, and they're going to lie about you, <laughs> right? And then there's, you know, your own voice in your head. What do you say about yourself? And, you, and a lot of times that's a lie. And then there's the truth, which is, and to me, it's God's voice and what God said about us in his word. And which one of those are you going to believe? about you that's a big that's a big one tom because yeah as much as going back to where we started talking about influence i think about myself far more critically than what comes across matter of fact we just did a uh, it was a new personality style that one of my daughters was playing with and it was one where uh, you did it yourself and then you had you know others take it so the way that my wife and i did it we took it individually and then we had a group of our kids uh some of our older kids even some of our younger kids take it about us so they went off into a room literally and did it. And what came back is that both of us, especially me, far more critical of how I saw myself than what they did, where I see myself as so impatient. They see me as patient, you know, where I saw myself as, uh, gosh, maybe prideful, uh, you know, they saw my, saw me as, as more humble. That's the kind of influence that we want, but it did bring, it did bring to the, the forefront of why do I see myself so critically and how much. Uh, I do. That's not even true, at least not to the influence, but I'm competing against my own head. And back to what somebody said a minute ago, I'm competing against perfection. You know, especially yeah. these days, if we look, as we look around and everybody's showcasing perfection in the media and in whatever social media and whatnot, and I'm comparing myself against that. Um, and yeah, the, our, our critical natures. Wait, let me jump in, in here to a couple of these uh, responses here. Cindy, she says, what helps me, her own self-approval, giving myself room to go uh, slow, take breaks, and make mistakes. That helps me. What hurts me is going into my past automatic behaviors. 
Also trying to do more than I should or need to, or trying to be a help to everyone. I can't help everyone. It isn't fair for me to ask that of myself. I think when I have to break a promise to someone, no matter the reason, I tend to look down at myself. That one spoke to me, Tom. That's probably where I am most critical. I, I, I get to thinking that I am Superman. I have to fix everything. I have to save everybody. It's impossible. I'm not God. Um, and, uh, and boy, that can, that hurts me. And so I appreciate her. I giving myself room to go slow, take breaks and make mistakes. I thought that was wise. I related to that one. <laughs> Sounds like a zig quote. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it. Well, there you go. I love, love that quote. Uh, well, Terry here says, uh, things, uh, what hurts is things that are out of my control that make me anxious. Like there's nothing I can do about it. I've got to be aware of the thought and then squash it as soon as it comes up. My mind dwells and turns it into a massive what if scenario. And the fact is the problem never seems to to eventuate anyways. And all it did was cause lots of a loss of happiness, emotional pain and wasted energy. It's hard when your mind wanders to the worst case scenario. It's how the brain's built, though. It defaults to anger and survival. The best way I've found is to have a circuit breaker. I use Mel Robbins, a popular lady, five second rule to bring the thought from the emotional part of the brain to the logical part of the brain. Uh, I'm getting there, though. It's a work in progress. I appreciate Terry's candid uh, response there. I mean, we all see those pithy quotes that are so true on, you know, worry doesn't help anything. It just ruins the current moment. I, yeah. do, I, I, I still do that, Tom. I still do What's th- that quote. Uh, worry is interest, interest paid in advance on a debt that'll never come due. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a harsh one. Um, Kyle says, uh, what I, I hurt when I start focusing on what seems like my continuous failures and things I did in my past, it makes me want to give up because why should I even try to begin with? I'm just going to fail. But then I realize they're not failures, but lessons to be learned throughout the different endeavors of my life that change everything by focusing only on the failures as being failures. Uh, it makes me see myself as a failure and therefore how I look at myself is, is negative. You know what, uh, Tom, my son Caleb Miller, who you know and had dinner with and talked about that, he said his fa- he told us last night, I think it was at the dinner table, he said his favorite quote, uh, Ziegler quote that he's used a couple of times with in, in, in being an influence to other people is failure. Is, I'll, let you, I'll let you finish it. Failures, um, failures are an event. Yeah, failure is an event, not a person. That's his favorite quote right there. Yeah. I mean, but that is one talk about, I use the word pithy a lot because I think we throw these quotes around. We don't give them the gravity that they really have. That's a massive, that right there. I mean, that's a life changing. What, what is that? Failure's not, how many words is that? Less than 10 uh, maybe. And for us to do that, because I can just give head a head nod to that, give lip service to that. But do I really believe it? Do I really go forth, uh, let's say in relationships and not, relationships or business endeavors or things I want to try. Do I really go forth and give myself the freedom from the past failures or do I let those cloud over me? It's almost inhuman. I mean, it, it's going to come up. So I appreciate what he's, he says, I've, or, or what, uh, no, it was the guy before him said, I've got it. I've got it. That thought's going to come. That's human nature, but I have to then be aware. And he said, squash it. Uh, I like that. If we're, it, it calls us to awareness. We've got to yeah. be. You know, I, I, there's an example that I love. It's, uh, you know, even if we make this sh- in basketball, even if we make the shot, it wasn't perfect. 
you know, it probably could have had a little better arc. It, it, it could have gone dead center. It, you know, all these different things are scenarios. So we're never going to be perfect. Uh, Michael Mayer, he, he taught me this. Um, there's an acronym called LIFE. And imagine a staircase going to heaven, and it's the LIFE staircase, L-I-F-E. So what we do in life is we learn something, so we step on the first step. Then we implement it. That's the I. So we step to the next step. And then we failed at it because it wasn't perfect. I mean, we could always do better. So we examine. That's the, that's the last one. What did we do? So we learn, right? We, <laughs> we examine it. And then we do it again. And that's our life, right? So the life staircase takes us to heaven. And it's not about perfection. It's about learning. And what's that saying? That if you, if you learned, you didn't really fail. Uh-huh. You know, and that's that's the truth. We we have an amazing uh, uh, mind that we can go in. We can restructure our brain. We can change our thinking. We can look at any event, and no matter how traumatic or 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 bad it is, we can say, okay, what did I learn? How is this gonna? Uh, what can I use from this to help me the next time? And you see this all the time. The greatest counselors, the greatest difference makers in the world. And whatever category they're in, they're usually the ones who've had the most uh, setbacks and trauma in that area. And so they understand better than anybody else uh, what what somebody's going through when they're facing that. And because of that horrible experience, they're able to to touch and to help others grow in ways that very few people can. Well, and you said, you know, we, we look at failure. It's just mm-hmm. such a... It has so much baggage, that word. Um, you know, if we just look at, I mean, the only way to learn something for most of us, well, you know, we want to think that we're going to sit down, we're going to learn it, we're going to go do it right. But the majority of wisdom that I see is from people who tried and tried and, and then finally figured out how to do that. So were the, was it the trying failures? I mean, what's the, Ed, is an Edison quote? You know, he figured out a thousand ways a light bulb wouldn't work. Uh, he didn't call him failure or something like that. You know, again, we we can get pithy and and, and throw a lot of words out there, but we have to try things. That's what, uh, uh, gosh, what was his name? The guy who wrote the Medici effect, uh, Johan, um, can't, I can't pull it up, but he said that was his findings that entrepreneurs aren't more brilliant or insightful than the average person. They're just willing to try more things which by proxy means they're willing to try something that didn't work, try something that didn't work, call it a failure, call it learning, whatever. Now we do want to learn. And I appreciate David Meltzer. We had him on the show. It was episode 699. And he said, now it's, it is a lesson and it's that failure that we learn something. It's a lesson if we learn it. Now, if we keep repeating it, we haven't learned it yet. So, and it was just interesting to hear him talk through that because so many of us, we continue to repeat the same things over and over. We obviously are not learning the lesson yet. But man, it, it's just, uh, it's again, just like the quote that we talked about with, with failure. It's a pr- such a profound learning. And I've talked on shows recently. It's one of the best benefits that I got. I'm going to speak this again because I want people to hear it, uh, especially those who have kids. One of the best benefits that I got. I'd be interested on in your take on this, Tom, from my parents was that they openly let me see them try and fail. And, that, and in their sense, it was in business. So my dad was a consummate entrepreneur, Dan Miller, the 48 days of the work you love guy that a lot of people know. Um, I got to see that. I was an only child. Till I was seven years old and just got to be a part of the adults a little bit more than most kids. 
And I got to see him start this business and succeed, fail, whatever. I got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet talk about now we're back to influence. What was the example I got? Man, at the end of the day, we're going to sit down. We're going to have dinner. There's going to be food on the table. May not be our favorite, but it's going to be something. And we're going to, and life goes on and you wake up the next morning and you go out there and try again. And and the next day, and I saw that man, one year we're driving the latest Cadillac Eldorado and the next uh, year we're driving something that I, I, I want them to stop like a block ahead of school. I don't want anybody <laughs> to see that I'm in this thing. And I got to see that. And what it gave me, man, I, I am, I am willing to try just about anything. And I've had a lot of testimony of my example of that. Yeah, I mean, I'll try it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot and I don't mind failing. That's the way I'm going to figure out how to do that. I mean, that is not the norm. What a gift that I got. I'm going to guess you tell me that you got some of that from your dad. Absolutely. Um, and here's the bottom line. It, may, it reminded me of a story. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching a, a, a couple and they're very, very successful. And he's just got, he's an entrepreneur. He's built a huge business. And uh, I said, wow, you know, what, what is it that drives you? What's, what's the difference making in your life? And he tells this story when he was 12 and his dad was super successful, built this big business and then the dominoes fell wrong. I think he got uh, taken, you know, got got caught uh, off guard and and uh, got taken advantage of. And he said, "We sold everything in our house, this big house. We lost. Dad lost the business. Sold everything in the house, and we're packing what's left into the one vehicle we have for our whole family. And we're walking out. And he said, I looked at my dad and said." what are we going to do? And he said, my dad looked at me and said, son, there's billions of dollars in the industry. I know so much about all we got to do, do, go do is get just a little piece of that. Yeah. And he said, it wasn't overnight, but very, but very soon afterwards they were back on track. <laughs> and so here's the thing. Is it good as parents for your kids to be exposed to, the failure. Mm -hmm. I think it has, I think absolutely, but it has to do in the response. Yes. Yes. Right. It has to do in the response. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I've been reading a lot of what's going on right now. And, uh, Nassim Tlaib, he wrote a book called, uh, the black swan. And of course we're in a black swan event. And he talked about how, how different cultures and different thought patterns actually increase the likelihood of a black swan. And one of the examples is shame cultures. So in a shame culture, which is a little bit like a Japanese culture, uh, you hide and bury your failures, Yeah. right? You hide them. And so what happens is, is when a business starts struggling, it's swept under the rug and all these things and mechanisms are put in place to hide that, to protect it. And then it gets so big and then it's not recoverable. It's, it can't, you can't fix it. It's just over. And out of that culture comes, <clears throat> comes a lot of suicide. The United States from an entre entrepreneurial perspective is almost the opposite. It's like when you, when you get a bunch of entrepreneurs in a room, you can say, uh, how many of you have lost more than one business? Raise your hand. <laughs> and it's like 80% yeah. of the hands will go up. Yep. And I remember uh, somebody asking uh, a panel Richard Branson was on. 
and uh, they said, "How you know what would you why would you say that Rich why would you say that Richard Branson is so much more successful than everybody else here?" And one of the other panelists, who was also extremely successful but not to that degree, answered the question. He said, "Because Richard Branson has failed more than anybody in this room. In fact, probably more than all of us put together." <laughs> so. What does that tell you? It's not the failure that's the that's the issue. Mm-hmm. It's the response that's the issue. It, it is, and I, and I I want I wanted to say to folks, yeah, it, it, you you in essence did. Don't shield your kids. Uh, let them hear the hardships, but with the caveat that you're sharing that hardship in faith, not in fear. Doesn't mean that you're Pollyanna, man. I, I remember my mom. I remember a couple times specifically crying. She's crying at the hardship, at the loss, the hardship, you know, of finances or losing a house or whatever. So there was no Pollyanna about it, but she wasn't crying in sadness thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're going to end up homeless and destitute. And this is the air. She said, this, this is hard. Now I'm sure, you know, we'll make it out of that. And of course, you know, today they're wealthier than most people will ever uh, experience. And they, they did, they learned the lessons, but man, I'm so glad that they shared in faith not fear. And I have, I have done that, um, to a great degree. There's nothing that my kids don't know about as far as our finances and our marriage, uh, in truth. And, and that's been one too, of just sharing, man, our marriage, you know, is, I mean, not that we're having fights in front of them or something like that, but we let them know that as well. Just the reality of life shielding them. And I, I see that I, matter of fact, my mom's testimony about my dad, because when they got married, he was, he was going to school to become a psychologist. He came out and spent a handful of months and that's all being, uh, at least working at that capacity. She says, I'm so glad that he didn't do that, that he didn't just go along and we had a nice, you know, simple, uh, abundant life, but nothing, you know, none of this happened because it's made them who made them who they are. You know, you mentioned businessmen. I, I don't want people, Tom, to hear that to be an entrepreneur or a business means you have to go out there. You have to try something. You have to go bankrupt, lose your house. Uh, it doesn't have to be that bad. Uh, and, and it's not, it, it wasn't that horrific for me. I, it, it, I, I've had some pretty good losses, but, but there is some trying. I know one guy with a successful business who didn't have at least one business failure to begin with. And he almost did. I met him when he was just about, it was just about to go under and it got, it saved it. But yeah, almost everyone has had a couple of times, but you know, maybe I tried X, Y, Z and I spent, you know, two or three grand or whatever. And I didn't quite work out, but it showed me a direction I want to go. So they're not all these catastrophic failures that we hear, even from people like Dave Ramsey, who went bankrupt, you know, to the tune of millions, lost everything. That's when I met him as well was back then after just coming out of that. It doesn't have to be that. So I don't want it to scare people away, but man, back to we, maybe the show, this may be the best part about it. It's just, again, dealing with failure. We see it so often, but it's so crippling. And when you get a healthy relationship with trying, let's just call it that trying things until you figure out what works out, get a healthy relationship with that, man, to me, it feels like the world's your oyster. It, it's, it's fun. You're going to have a hard day. You might cry in a moment but you have faith, you know, Tom, there, there are so many, uh, responses here. This happens a lot where we don't get through them all. And folks, if you want to look, it was, uh, you can find me at Facebook agent K is in Kevin Miller. 
And these posts were April 21st and 22nd were these questions. And a lot of people, I, I have thought sometimes, Tom, now I, I hope and trust, well, the testimony are that uh, we actually give some value with our conversation here. Uh, but I think people would be blessed too to read through what people share candidly. And I think if nothing else, just to real, to give you a comfort level that yeah, you're human and other people are walking through the same things. And so many of them testified how they've walked out as well. And it's powerful. But this aspect, Tom, of self-approval, uh, I think if, if anything, I'll let you give your last thoughts on it. But I ha- I've learned that I think I've always thought highly of my abilities, but I'm always looking at perfection. So I always fall short and my self-criticism did nothing but hurt myself. And then from that hurt my influence. And so I owe it to my family today to go home, to be a good example and good influence. I've got to take care of, you know, self-care has become a bigger word these days. And I've got to make sure that I've got my head on straight with whose I am, which is a child of God. And, uh, having, as you back to what you said, the deepest grace and the highest standard, I actually wrote it down this time, the deepest grace. Maybe I need that t-shirt, Tom. That's a good t-shirt. It is. Maybe a book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, just, just thinking about, you know, what would I leave people with? There's a, there's a saying that we say in our coaching process. Um, we say, honor the process and the process will honor you. Hmm. And, you know, we strive for the highest standard, but the interesting thing is, is we shouldn't, we shouldn't put pressure on results, right? We shouldn't, it's, it's more important for us to hold ourselves accountable to the process, to the systems, to the habits than it is to the result. Mm. Right. Um, when we are honoring the process, when we are being diligent about doing the things, the habits, the intentional things in our life that we know are going to produce fruit, when we hold ourselves accountable to that rather than the result, the result happens. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like I heard Rabbi Daniel Lapp and they, they asked the question, will you ever cheat on your wife? And he said, well, I don't know. <laughs> they were like, how could you say that? <laughs> you don't You don't believe in cheating on your life. He said, well, here's what I believe in. I believe in, creating a life that never puts me in a -hmm. place where I could cheat on her. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I hold myself accountable to. Right. And that's the way all of us are is, you know, a lot of times, you know, never say you'll never do that because we haven't been in that situation before, but what we can do is prevent ourselves from getting in that situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that can be a positive in every area of life. So as you go forward and you look at your, your influence and as your your example, as you lead others, as you look at your, your thoughts about yourself, uh, go in with the deepest grace. Hey, I'm going to forgive myself, uh, for doing bonehead things and making bad intentional decisions and suffering the consequences. I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to set the highest standard. In other words, my goal is, or my standard is, is, is really, really high, but the way I'm going to hold myself accountable is to the simple steps in the process, the habits and systems that'll get me there. I'm not going to worry about the results. You know, what was, who said, uh, progress, not perfection. 
Man, that's yeah. a, that's that's a great line. Mm-hmm. Progress in the habits that get me there is what I want. There you go. I, I think everybody listening is associates with having high standards, and I love you calling them, encouraging them to have high standards, have the highest standards, but along with that, the deepest grace. Those don't often go hand in hand. All right, brother. Thanks. I always feel, nope. I always walk away a little, a little higher when I'm I'm with you, brother. Well, you're always hired me because I think where you live is about 7,000 feet higher. Geographically, you are correct. I am one of the (laughs) highest people here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm even a little higher now. All right. Thanks brother. Thank you. Self-approval and your influence on others. Weighty topics, my friends. And I trust this discussion gave you some inspiration and equipping to up both concepts for you. Coming up in episode 785, the gap between you and your highest potential. So imagine being nine months pregnant and deciding to start a business, a business you did not know much about. Uh, Years later, you become a single mom uh, by, to then, uh, three daughters. You're a woman, a mom, a business owner. This is not conventional. This is not easy. Well, this is the story, though, of Janelle Bruland and the fire she lived through. It gave her significant insight into human potential and unconventional business practices, such as owning a thriving business and never putting in overtime hours, not even putting in full-time hours. That's right. She's done it all on part-time hours as a single parent. The primary motive she had for starting her business was so she could be a devoted mother. Well, Janelle came to me from Tom Ziegler, who said, we've got to have her on the show. She has a new book titled The Success Lie five simple truths to overcome, overwhelm, and achieve peace of mind. Today, Janelle has 500 employees and 250 subcontractors as part of her facility management company team. And she is on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies. Uh, You're going to really get a lot from this discussion and uh, it'll inspire you men and women alike, but obviously is uh, pretty significant to the women in our audience. Till then, folks, Thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.